Hello and welcome to the Project Football Podcast in association with Luke Williamson Art. Luke Williamson Art is a family-run business producing digital art prints of iconic and famous football grounds from yesteryear, running since 2017. My guests on this episode are Tom and Billy from Tom Lumley and the Brave Liaison. Uh, they support Chelsea and West Ham respectively. Uh, I'll be talking to the lads about the band, uh, a few of their favourite things in football, and there's the usual features of squad game, 4 for you and a trip you through time, uh, rounded off by uh, a poem about each team uh, involved in this. So uh, before I hand over to myself, Tom and Billy, uh, here are some facts, stats and general nuggets uh, about the two clubs. Time for kickoff. So we'll, uh, as well go in alphabetical order. So start with Chelsea, uh, founded in 1905, uh, play at Stamford Bridge, uh, which got a capacity of 41,837. Manager is Thomas Tuchel, uh, record goal scorer, uh, Frank Lampard with 211 goals from 648 games. Uh, got those between 2001 and 2014. Record appearance holder with 795 is Ron Harris, as between 1961 and 1980. Um, I've got nothing for a record football league win, um, strangely, but they've got record Premier League win. Um, they've got this scoreline twice, which is 8-0, and that was against Wigan in May 2010 and against Aston Villa in December 2012. Uh, record win in the FA Cup. Uh, it was in the first round in January 1908 uh, against Worksop Town, which is 9-1. Record League Cup win, uh, 7-0 against Doncaster Rovers in round three in November 1960. Uh, record European win is 13-0 against uh, Juanesi Hertusharaj, which I'm not going to deny. I've never heard of them, so chances are I've said that completely wrong. Um, but that was in the Cup Winners' Cup in September 1971. Uh, as far as honours go, uh, they've won the top tier uh, six times in 1955, so that would have been the old Division One, uh, And then the other five have all been the Premier League, so in 05, 06, uh, 2010, 2015, and most recently in 2017. Uh, they've been winners in the second tier uh, twice, in 1984 and 1989, uh, they, they've never dropped below the second table well, looks of it, so nothing for those two. Um, winners of the FA Cup eight times, uh, first one in 1970, then there's a 27-year gap, then there's 97, a 2000, 2007, 2009, 2010, 2012 and 2018. Uh, they've won the League Cup five times, the first one being in 1965, then 1998, 2005, 2007, 2015. Uh, they've won the Charity or Community Shield, whichever you prefer, uh, four times, uh, 1955, 2000, 2005 and 2009. Winners of the Champions League twice, uh, 2012 and 2021, so only just last season just gone. Uh, they've won the UEFA Cup stroke Europa League twice, uh, 2013 and 2019. Win the Cup Winners' Cup twice, 
1971 and 1998. Uh, they've also won the UEFA Super Cup twice, uh, 1998 and 2021. Uh, individual honours, uh, people who have won uh, international competitions whilst at the club. Uh, Peter Bonetti for England in 1966, uh, the World Cup. Uh, Frank LeBeuf in 1998 for France. Uh, Andre Schurler, 2014 for Germany. And Olivier Giroud and N'Golo Kante in 2018 uh, for France. So that's all their World Cup winners. Uh, Confederations Cup, uh, Marcel Desailly in 2001 and 2003. Frank LeBeuf in 2001. Uh, William Gallus in 2003, obviously all for France. Uh, Robert Huth in 2005. David Luiz and Oscar for Brazil in 2013. Uh, European Championship, Didier Deschamps, Marcel Desailly, Frank Leboeuf for France in 2000. Uh, Fernando Torres and Juan Mata for Spain in 2012. Um, the tournament just gone, Emerson and Jorginho uh, for Italy. Uh, African Cup of Nations, uh, got uh, Victor Moses and John Obi Mikel, which would have been for Nigeria in 2013 copper america uh alex which i think for brazil in 2007 uh william in 2019 the Concacaf nations league uh pulisic won that with the usa in 2021 and also uh vivian woodward in 1912 won a football gold medal uh, at the olympics with great britain uh five famous fans of chelsea uh author, uh, comedian, and one part of the team that brought us the Three Lions songs, David Baddiel, uh, presenter Tim Lovejoy, chef Nigella Lawson, uh, musician or lead singer of Blur, uh, Damon Albarn. Uh, last one is uh, Lord Richard Attenborough, who's famous actor and the one that I remember from is Jurassic Park. Um, players with a foot in both camps, just a few, just to chuck in there. Conor Gallagher, who uh, West Brom had on loan last season. Uh, goalkeeper Tony Godden. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, who again, was another loan signing at the Hawthorns. It was absolutely amazing. Um, defender Neil Clement. And controversial striker Nicholas Anelka. And have also um, shared a manager in Roberto Di Matteo. Okay, on to West Ham. Uh, founded in 1895 as Thames Ironworks and then changed the name to West Ham United uh, in 1900. Uh, playing at the London Stadium, uh, got a capacity of 60,000. Manager uh, for the second time round is David Moyes. Record goal scorer, Vic Watson, with 326 goals from 462 games uh, between 1920 and 1935. Record appearance holder, Billy Bonds, 799 games between 1967 and 1988. Uh, record Football League win was at home to Sunderland in October 1968 in Division 1. as 8-0. Uh, record Premier League win, 6-0 at home to Barnsley, uh, January 1998. Record FA Cup win at home to Chesterfield in the first round in 1914. Uh, that was 8-1. Record League Cup win. Uh, it was the second leg of the second round in 
October 1983, they beat Berry 10-0 uh, to have an aggregate scoreline of 12-1. Uh, record European win was 5-1 at home to Castilla in the second leg of the first round in the Cup Winners' Cup in 1980. Um the best they've done in the Premier League or Division One uh, was third place in 1986. Uh, they've been champions of the second tier twice in 1958 and 1981. Uh, they've also been promoted via the playoffs twice in 2005 and 2012. Again, like Chelsea, not being lower than the second tier. Uh, FA Cup winners three times, 1964, 75 and 80. Um, never won the League Cup, but they've been runners-up in 1966 and 1981. Uh, they shared the Community Shield in 1964. Um, they've not won the Champions League or Europa League, but do have a European trophy to their name in the Cup Winners' Cup, which was 1965. Uh, they won the Intertoto Cup in 1999 and were also runners-up in the Anglo-Italian Cup in 1975, uh, beaten by Fiorentina, uh, losing 1-0 in both legs and 2-0 on aggregate. Uh, individual honours, famous World Cup winners from 1966, Martin Peters, Sir Jeff Hurst and Sir Bobby Moore. Uh, five famous fans, uh, comedian, uh, actor, I suppose you call him an author, uh, Russell Brand, uh, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, uh, Phil Jupiter, another comedian, uh, film director Alfred Hitchcock, and surprisingly, former US President Barack Obama. Uh, a few players who have played for West Ham and, and my team, West Brom. Uh, Jeff Hurst, surprisingly. Uh, Craig Dawson, uh, who's only just gone there in the last couple of seasons. Uh, Grady Diangana, uh, John Hartson, and also Danny Gabidon. Uh, we shared a couple of managers. Actually, the two have managed West Brom both in the same season. That's Slavin Bilic and Sam Allardyce. Right. So I'd like to uh, say thank you to coming on this episode of the Project Football Podcast from... Tom Lumley and the Brave Liaison. Not going to say that too many times. Got to trip over it. Uh, Tom Lumley himself, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? You good? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, again, as I said prior to this, appreciate you coming on. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, see how this goes. Yeah, it should be fun. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Um, as I've done with any musicians I've spoken to previously, sort of touch on the music a bit before we go into the football. So, um, how did the band come about um, and, and the name as well well obviously your name but the Brave Liaison bit how did that sort of originate? Yeah so um, I was kind of I was a solo artist for years like just playing um, acoustic guitar and singing uh, but I kind of always knew that I wanted it to be to be more than just me with an acoustic guitar that I wanted it to have that sort of band sound um, and eventually it got to a point where I was going to be doing a tour um, and I got the boys on board and none, none of us knew each other really that well I knew each of them through different music situations um but they'd never actually met each other so it could have gone 
horrifically wrong but luckily we're all still alive and all is good so I, I pulled them all together and then um after about two years of, of it well it started off essentially that they were kind of like like a Sam Fender scenario that they were uh, my session musicians in a way and it just we, we became a band it was it was we don't we don't act like uh an artist with 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 session musicians we act as a band so it only felt right that they they got a name really and um the bravery days on part i was quite happy to to scrap the tom lummy bit because uh it'd be a lot easier not to look like an e- egotistical pleb but um <laughs> yeah. it would be a lot better but we kind of had advice from from people that we've been working with that because we'd already had like radio play on on radio x and radio one and stuff it was it was good to keep the tom lummy part of it because the name was recognized in a way um so that was why we added brave liaison and um yeah that name was just uh, it was off of a massive we all wrote down loads of names it was on a list and uh we picked it because we kind of liked it and that was it say something different isn't it you know you, it's not the sort of yeah combination that you see well anywhere really but it makes it sound like it's some sort of sordid affair doesn't it with a bravely liaison you know yeah <laughs> i'm guessing yeah, it wasn't it, because of that <laughs> no not quite well there is a reason for it apparently it was it was actually jake the guitarist who came up with a name um and the reason why apparently he's holding to tell everyone at some point so We'll, right, we'll find so out soon, hopefully. Keeping that tucked up his sleeve for a later date. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's fair enough. And um, you've recently released an album as well. Yeah. yeah uh, I did. How did that go? How did, how did it chart? And... Yeah, so it was the debut album. Um, just kind of felt like after the lockdown, we'd been writing so much and we needed to do something with it. Uh, and it felt like the right time. Uh, the reaction's been insane. Like the amount of new people getting on board with the band and and the amount of people sharing it and kind words and it, it's been like really overwhelming obviously in a good way um uh, we managed to get into some official uk charts which is crazy we've got a top 10 uk official rock album and we got uh into 66th in the the overall sales chart so it was a uh, a solid start to life for the album for sure so you've got into double figures in a chart position that can only you know get higher can't it i suppose with, with future releases hopefully hopefully we we'll, we'll keep working as hard as we can and hopefully we can build on it for sure and so if it's anything like you've been doing at the moment then i, I can't see that being too much of a problem to be fair no thanks mate right. <laughs> too kind um any plans for tours or anything in the near future obviously we're coming towards the end of 2021 now so yeah i mean we've currently we've got a, f- a couple of dates left before the year's out um but we're going to be announcing a, a new tour for February next year. So we're going to be everywhere. There's, oh, yeah. Everyone's going to have an opportunity wherever they are in the country to see us, I believe. So, um, didn't you do Isle of Wight this year as well? Yeah, we played Isle of Wight this year, which was um, awesome. We played it in uh, 2019 just before, obviously, everything went wrong <laughs> with the world. <laughs> um, 
and we played down in quite a, a low position slot um, under this feeling stage. And we got asked back this year to be kind of right at the top of the bill. And yeah, it was it was incredible. It was it was a mad weekend. That's what I said. Is that probably like the biggest crowd that you've played to since you've been going? Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably it's the biggest festival that we've played. I'd say we've we've played a few few biggies, a similar sort of size to it, um, like festival and truck festival. Yeah. But um, we did have one gig once with uh, we were playing before wet wet wet. I don't know okay. if you remember. Yeah, I don't know how this combination happened. The lineup throughout the day was weird, um, and we were we were on. I think we were like two bands before or something like that, and there was fifteen thousand people when we played. So that was. That was definitely the biggest crowd that we've yeah. played to. That that was pretty mad. That's decent numbers, really, isn't it? And if, uh, as cheesy as some people think, where 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 are? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still you know a, a very popular you know British band, aren't they? So you can't argue being on the same bill as them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was good. So. <laughs> I'd say covered sort of the, the music side of it for now. So uh, if we move on to the main reason that you're here is to talk a bit of football. Um, yep. You're a Chelsea fan. I am, yes. Um, seems we to be going all right that. so far this season. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, I was actually at Newcastle away at the weekend. And yeah. it, 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 the first half, as frustrating as it was, the second half just like fully reminded me of how good we kind of look this season. Um we still got a lot of growth, obviously, to do. Uh, the team's still a lot of the players are really, really young, which I think is only a positive. Um, but I, I just think Thomas, Tommy Tuchel, I was worried about him at first, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, from what I'd seen from him at PSG, as like more his personal personality, I didn't know how it'd work with our squad. Yeah, but he just seems to be able to keep. A, a squad full of insanely talented players that should probably all be starting. He seems to be able to keep them all happy and I don't know how he's doing it. He probably um, left because a couple it, of them in the training ground, doesn't he? It's like, yeah, like you're not playing for a couple of weeks, wallop. Yeah, literally, you can imagine it. But I mean, the thing is, is you watch any of them coming on if they're standing in in a Carabao Cup game or they're they're coming on for 10 minutes against Newcastle at the weekend, like every player's coming on that pitch and giving it their all, which is, yeah. for from a, a Chelsea fan's perspective, it... it We've had amazing years, obviously. I cannot complain at all, but th this has been the best I've seen us play in a long time, in my opinion. And reigning European champions as well. Yeah, no, that that still hasn't sunk in. I don't. So, I don't how we won that. that. Oh, how we won that last year, I'll I'll never know. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Good. I'll, not. I'll, I won't remind you just the fact that European champions. You actually shift, shipped eight goals to a relegated team over two <laughs> games. Yeah. Okay. But, I knew this was coming. No, I knew I, this was coming. I'm not going to dwell on that too much, but the weird thing about those fixtures, um, both matches, it was different managers in charge of both teams for each one. So yep. the first one would have been Lampard and Bilic. Yep. And then the second one at the bridge was Tuchel and Fat Sam. Yep. 
So I, it I, was... I don't I don't think I've seen anything in my time where that sort of thing's happened. Yeah, it was that's true. I've never thought about it like that. And I'm pretty sure that was like five or six games in for Tuchel and he he hadn't conceded a single goal. Yeah. As manager. And then you went and put five past us. That that game was bizarre. I was I was on the way back from somewhere. We're in the car. There's me, my other half, and our two daughters, and had it on the radio. And we left, and I heard him say about there been someone sent off, and I thought, oh, bloody hell, that's an Albion red card. You're never going to get battered here. And yeah. uh, as we're on the way back, and we go through the the Mackey's drive-through to get the girls a bit of food. Yeah. And I said, oh, oh West Brom gone two one up. I was like, bloody hell. That doesn't yeah. very often. So it, it can't end that way. And well, it didn't, but it didn't end in the way a lot of us anticipated. So, you know, yeah, in a relegation season, you take whatever positives you can. And that was probably the, I'd say the second biggest over beating Wolves on their own patch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, obviously for you, beating Wolves on their own patch is going to be good. Yeah. Um, I think, I think though, the only thing that was disappointing from a West Brom's fans' perspective probably about those games is that there was no fans in the stadium to, to watch it because you, your fans being at Stamford Bridge for that would have been uh, special for you. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Thing is, though, if there had been fans, would it have been different? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that, there is that as well. You um, never know. But um, Just going on to like, the, the set questions that we've got for you. Um how did you get into football and what's your sort of earliest football memory? Um, so when I was really young, I, I wasn't necessarily into football. Um, I liked football and my dad's obviously a massive Chelsea fan, so I was a Chelsea fan. Um, and then I can't remember how old I was, probably like nine at school. And and then it got to a point where obviously everyone in, in my class was playing football. So you, like most lads do at that age, you kind of follow. Um and yeah, like like any young lad, just obsessed with it. It was every, at that point everything I wanted to do was just play football, watch football. The standard uh, parents evening meetings with the English teacher saying that Tom needs to work harder instead of just wanting to play football, sort of thing. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't see. I, I can don't understand why anyone wouldn't like it it's <laughs> it's brilliant i say it's uh, it's sort of like a tribal thing isn't it as well like you know yeah. you've got your groups of fans and then there's the well, there's more of a clash with some teams um than others like with you know with local divers and yeah. stuff so uh, yeah it just yeah, makes yeah. it interesting doesn't it and atmosphere at games as well yeah yeah so yeah uh, I, mean, I love all the the banter and stuff it's brilliant yeah you say but I, mean, I went to st james's Crikey. Um, it was a number of years ago, probably 10 or so years ago, maybe. And okay, probably one of the best away days I've experienced. Just yeah. Like, from start to finish, like pre-match, you know, with um, with all the Geordies and the various pubs, because they, yeah, there's, there's no hint of animosity between them and anyone else, unless it's Sunderland, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, inside the ground, pretty huge. Yeah, it's massive, isn't it? Felt like you were watching it. Game of Beauty or something. <laughs> yeah, literally, you're way up the top there as well. It's uh, now the thing with uh, St James is always the steps up and down uh, yeah. that trip up to the top there. So you uh, your own the, oxygen tank. Yeah, literally, it was the. Uh, I was happy this weekend. Obviously, we won three 0 but it's the. Uh, it was the fourth time I've been to St James's, and the first time I've ever seen us score there. So yeah. 
yeah, I've seen us uh, we drew there without scoring um, a three nil loss and a one nil loss, and uh, finally, finally so broken that duck. Yeah, which I was I was very happy about because my uh, my fiance is a Newcastle season ticket holder. I bet that went um, down well, didn't? <laughs> so yeah. I remember the the last time we went when we lost one nil. It was like the ninety fourth minute. Um, Newcastle nicked it one nil, and uh, that was when I actually asked her old man if I could uh, if I could marry his daughter. I, I kind of just uh, we were all drunk, and I thought, well, he's happy right now. This is going to be That's the it, best. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, good to get that win. Have you got a favourite match, or other that you've been to, or, or that you've you know seen on TV, maybe? Favorite match that I've been to. Um, oh, to be honest with you, actually, re- fairly recent ones. Two of them were the best, which was um, <clears throat> in 2019 we, we had Ajax in the Champions League, and away we beat them one nil last kick of the game. Batshuayi, um, being there for that was uh, in- insane. That we got kept in the ground for about an hour and a half after kick off, and just it was an hour and a half of singing as loud as you could. Yeah. But, it was brilliant. Um, but then the return fixture in that at Stamford Bridge, yeah, I was at that as well. And that was four all. Uh, it was, we went, we were four one down in like the 60th minute and we drew four all. And I just, the, that was the best atmosphere I've seen at the bridge. Just, I think everyone didn't expect it kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think now though, if they are the, they're good. I'm a, a semi the quarter, quarterfinals of the Champions League in 2007 away at Valencia. Um, it was about to go to extra time because it was second leg. And then uh, out of nowhere, Michael Essien hit one, absolutely banged one bottom corner. And that was, again, that was a kind of, I was a lot younger then and we, my first European away day and we kind of, we got kept in in the ground afterwards for two hours and and that everyone's singing and that was good. So you, um, you do all right in Europe sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've had our moments in Europe. Unfortunately, I've I've not been lucky enough to go to either of the finals when we've rise. won or or the one that we lost. Um, it was uh, Mos- Moscow. I just we me and Dad. I was really young, so we'd never have gone. Munich. Uh, me and Dad were gonna go, and something to do with the flights that we could get back. I wouldn't have made it back for the Monday for a GCSE exam I had first thing. Oh yeah. Um, which I obviously I wanted to sack it off. So did dad, but mum had uh, other opinions about me missing a GCSE exam. Put a foot down and that's it. It's like, you'll take the exam, forget the foot. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, um, Porto, uh, I, I actually, it, the, the way we worked the system with Porto because of coronavirus, it was really weird. You had to like apply and they were slowly accepting applications from memberships, depending on the loyalty points that you'd had from the previous season that we actually were able to go. And um, I was pretty skint at the time as it was, and mine got approved, but dad's didn't. And I said, I'm not going without dad because dad was going to kind of help me out with getting there sort of thing. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. I, I said, no matter what, I'd rather have watched it with my old man than, than being yeah. there. So, no, so given that it's, you know, let's say because of him that you support, so you do, it's only fair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah oh, of course. Like, I've been, I've been, obviously, you go to games without, without him and stuff like that, but whenever it's like the big, the big ones, yeah, you, something like that. You want him there, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Favorite goal? Hmm. Ah, <sighs> oh, I mean, there's obviously the obvious one, like Drogba in Munich, the header, 
Um, but if I if I there's a there's a Lampard goal in the new camp against Barcelona where he's practically in line with the goal as if it's going out for a corner. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen it and he dinks it over um oh who was their keeper? Uh, oh, that's gonna bug me. Valdez, Victor Valdez, yeah. yeah. And that is either that or um a game away at Everton. We were two nil down. Um and we turned it around 3-2 and the winner was Drogba just turned and hit this like half volley from 30 yards and lobbed um, Tim Howard. I think that's either of those, either Lampard against Barcelona or, or Drogba against Everton. Yeah, so the, the, the Drogba goal that I remember, um, well, the one that, that sticks out for me, I think it was against Liverpool. Um, oh, wait. he did it like twice in a week. He did nearly the same goal against Barcelona. Yeah, it came in. He kind of chested it and span and hit it. Turns around, it's sort of hard. I think it's yeah. on, the, on the volley or half volley, but he's just put his foot through and it's just flown in. Bang! Straight past the keeper, down the left side of the keeper. You, you can't move. Yeah, I remember it. Literally, we had Barcelona in the group stage uh, on the Wednesday, and he scored and got that pretty much that goal. And then on the the weekend, exactly the same goal against Liverpool. It, they're both weirdly identical and like four days apart, which is weird. Yeah, so I've, I've seen him obviously. You know when. He's been on TV for Chelsea and probably against us as well. Um, he's one of those rare, strong players. It's actually deceptively quick. Yeah, he's yeah. He, he had everything, in my opinion. Which it, it's funny because from a Chelsea fan's perspective, the first kind of two years we we weren't we weren't keen. He didn't score goals. He he looked he looked useless a lot. A lot. There was a massive thing about everyone calling him Dogba instead of Drogba, <laughs> obviously. Um, because everyone said he was just awful. And then, obviously, he's become a hero. I say he's a bit held in very high regard, isn't he, at the bridge? So, um, oh, massively. Just pause for two seconds, because Billy is waiting to join us. So, Oh, here we go. Admit him. Awkward silence. That's always good for recording. Where is he? Come on, Billy. He says he's here. He's connecting his audio. That's a start. Typical West West Ham fan. Always yeah. late and useless. I don't know how uh, I've ended up in a band with uh, a West Ham fan. But Do the other lads support anyone or? Uh, Johnny has zero interest in football. Um, he likes, he, he doesn't mind watching it, but he just, he's never really got into it. He likes playing it. Um, yeah. we all we all like playing it um, and Jake's the same really he he loves playing football but he doesn't understand the concept of people paying to watch got you 22 blokes chasing a rubber ball which uh, I guess in a sense kind of makes sense but I, I think it's just fun isn't it it's just fun. that's it yeah uh, whatever, well, whatever. The ball's made out of it, don't matter. Is it SpongeBob like you used to like score the old flyaways or whatever? Yeah. Uh, so if Billy's, he wants to join us, he wants to unmute, doesn't he? He's just texted me. Uh, let me just reply to him. He's just. Oh, so now, after brief technical issues, uh, we now have Billy. Hello. Welcome. So, um, West Ham then. West Ham then. Yeah. 
Um, again, like Chelsea, you're doing all right, aren't you? Well, I've certainly got no complaints. It's the, it's probably the best that I've seen us perform, at least in, in my lifetime. Um, not just, obviously, the results, but the performances themselves have all been pretty convincing. And the good signs are there that even when we're not performing at our best, we're still churning out important results. You know, the um, the game yesterday, on the weekend against Villa, uh, I'm sure you'll be happy to see us do them over. But um, anyone who beats the Villa, I'm all right with that, you know. exactly you know it wasn't our best performance and we played against 10 men it wasn't the most convincing display but we got the job done um so yeah no complaints from me for sure how does it feel billy that that's the best you've ever seen west ham play in your lifetime currently and you're still behind us are you trying to muck me up (laughs) every club has its expectations and you've been failing at yours for the past what six years Whereas we are now exceeding ours by some but margin. So let's not have the band split up live on a podcast. All right, boys. Let's just get the second album out of the way first. <laughs> just another domestic. We have these all the time. Don't oh, worry. Fair enough. Only about football. <laughs> I've got my West Ham mug. Oh, dear. So West Ham mug. Yeah. Anyway, so no more. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brilliant. All right. So we'll, we'll rattle through the few questions that I've um, already been through with Tom. Um, how did you get into football and what's your earliest football memory? So, I don't know, I feel like, especially in uh, where I'm from originally, which is uh, a sort of a London town called Barking out in the East End somewhere, not too far from Upton Park, really. It's just sort of one town in between the two. Um, Football was a big part of school life, I guess. So, all your mates played football, all your mates had uh, football teams. And, you know, there was always that friendly band, a friendly rivalry between you and your mates. Um, My dad was a football fan. Um, but never a Sky Sports subscriber. <laughs> yeah. Tight ass. Um, but uh, we always used to go down our neighbour's house and watch the games as much as we could. Um, and then, you know, given the chance every now and then, we try and get along uh, to the bowling ground. Um, he was never a season ticket holder and I therefore never was, but we went when we could. And uh, my so my probably my earliest football memory is actually us beating Chelsea. Um, I think it I want to say May 3rd, 2003, but that's a bit wavy. It could be a few years either side, to be fair. I've not got great memory, sort of sub eight I've years old. I've got a specific date, though, to say you're not sure. I'll be impressed yeah. if that is right, to be fair. And I think it was, a I want to say, a 2-0 or a 2-1 victory because um, I remember going and we had literally like front row seats uh, right on the halfway line, um, sort of in the chicken run. And... Uh, and yeah, it was a, a great performance. And that was back in the day when we would not beat Chelsea normally. So <laughs> it was, uh, it, that was one of my earliest and happiest um, West Ham memories for sure. This is the bit now where he rattles off the attendance just as a guess, but he gets it down to like within three people, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got quizzed on this sort of thing for like my first Chelsea game the other day. And I was actually, it was weird how much I remembered. So, yeah. Billy... Billy will probably tell you me with like remembering numbers or names of things are just uh, I don't know why. As long as you remember the chords of the songs and the words to them, you're all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, funny struggle with that. With yeah. <laughs> so, um, have you got a favourite match, Billy? Um, favourite match. In in my lifetime, I don't think it probably could get much more special for feeling than perhaps that last game at the bowling. Um, that was in a time when I did have my own season ticket. I was a season ticket holder for seven or eight years um, and went from that transition phase from 
the bowling ground over to uh, London Stadium. I forgot what it was called for a second. <laughs> Great fan. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was uh, all around just a special occasion. Uh, there was a few classic West Ham moments like peppering the Man United team bus with with rockets and sorts. I think I swallowed my fair share of flare gas that day as well, getting <laughs> trapped in a crowd. But um, just when that final goal went in, it just was the most sort of West Ham feeling I think I could ever imagine. That yeah. that sort of feeling that only your club can give you, you know, like um, everyone just united under one elated moment from beating a big team like them on your last day. Yeah, and obviously, the, the man in charge at that point is uh, someone familiar to the dugout of the Hawthorns as well, isn't it, Mr Billich? Yeah, Mr. Billich, and he done, you know, he, he did a great job for us, especially in that that first season. He was there, um, probably massively helped along by Pyatt, but <laughs> it um, it that was when the results started turning, and it looked like the start of new things for West Ham in the Premier League. Um, yeah. And well, maybe that was maybe he played his part in where we are today. Uh, I suppose it all helps, doesn't it? But obviously, he had a bit of a shaky second season and um, bared the brunt of managerial modern day managerial sackings <laughs> it's a merry-go-round isn't it the best of times yeah uh, um, have you got a favourite goal there's, there's been a few um, I, I, even I could pick this one for you I've, got, I've got one in mind but I, I, it might not be so we'll, we'll see what he says it's the same one that Billy tells me every time because he was there at Old right. Trafford Dimitri Pie free kick FA Cup what a goal! <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a resounding yes, doesn't it? It was. Yeah. It was one of the ones that came to mind. But there's there's been some corkers as well. You know, where like I say, it's easy to get for seven or eight years. You do you do see some good ones, and we have had yeah. some brilliant ones. There was another pie at free kick against um, Crystal Palace. Oh that, yeah, the actually absolutely done the keeper and went near side, and he was just real completely wrong footed. There was the Andy Carroll overhead kick against Palace as well. That was that was different gravy. Um, Vazte against Tottenham, Lanzini against Tottenham, like only last season to make it three all. That was a terrific goal as well. If you remember that one, screamer from like 25, 30 yards out. Yeah, yeah. There's, I was there's, thinking there's... a little bit further back than that. Uh, Paolo Di Canio, the scissor kick. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. One that gets played. Yeah, it's um, it's a yeah. classic. But I'll be honest, there was there was a period of time where I actually didn't stop kind of following football probably between the ages of like 13 and maybe 17 or something yeah. and that was I think kind of in that little patch there um I, it was actually when I was getting into music and that's kind of what happened I kind of took a st- step back from football because I wasn't very good <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um <laughs> I still ain't uh you're yeah, not that bad oh don't know debatable I'll get get away with Sunday league let's say that <laughs> um but yeah, I just kind of stopped following football for a little while. Um, it went under the radar for me. I started learning guitar and, and other stuff as well. And and then I only really got massively back into it. To be honest, when I met my girlfriend, actually, because her dad was a massive West Ham fan, was a season ticket holder. And uh, I started going to games with him. And then I got my own season ticket and then got, got way back into it. I suppose it helps when the, your other half's family support the same team as you, because uh, thankfully I'm in that boat as well. I don't think I'd be West Brom, so yeah, I don't think I'd be allowed to be with her if I was a Spurs fan. <laughs> oh no! Um, that last couple of things on the the, the, the favourite bit. So I mean, obviously, this is going to both of you now because we're sort of caught up um, from where 
we started with Tom earlier on. Um, so favourite player, favourite manager. I'll go Tom first. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because I, there's actually currently players in our team that are going to be up there for me. I think down the line, but I, I'd have to go Lampard. It was the the age that I was obviously when he was really in his prime. It was he was the player I looked up to. So um, Lampard with oh, it's, it's so hard. We've had so many good players in my in my lifetime. So I feel like have a different answer to that tomorrow, couldn't you? I feel so lucky to have seen so many of them. Uh, but yeah, let's let's go Lance, it's got to be Frank. Um, oh, and what was it, manager as well? Yeah. Um again, we've had probably more managers than we've had players in my <laughs> No, I'm gonna go. I honestly think right now Thomas Tuchel is the best manager we've had. Um I, th- I think Mourinho was incredible and the moments that he brought us when he first came to us were incredible because we hadn't had them for so long. But I think if Mourinho had the size squad with the, not just the size squad, but the amount of high-end players that we've got in the size squad that we've got right now, I don't think Mourinho would be able to manage them the way Tuchel does. And because of that, I think Tuchel's a better manager. So yeah, You don't just don't think he'd know what to do with them sort of square pegs round holes scenario nah, he wouldn't be able to keep he wouldn't be able to keep like Zayic on the bench and keep him happy like Tuchel is he, he, it wouldn't work players like that would kick off with Mourinho or Mourinho <laughs> would bite back too much so I think for me Tuchel and I really never thought I'd say that when he first came to the club fair enough um, Billy favourite player favourite manager I suppose we're going to sound a bit boring by just going on current players and current managers, aren't we? But I, I, like when we're, we're in the purple patch that we are, it'd be it'd be silly of me to choose anyone else. I think um, Declan Rice has completely renovated our team in a whole new new manner, and he's he's done something probably even more important than that in the sense that he's taken over that captaincy from Mark Noble. So that transition period that we was going to lose with like a club honorary most capped Premier League player club captain you know that could have been something that could have really damaged the team losing that when he dropped out of the first team when he drops out of the club when he retires at the end of this season but as long as we can hold on to him Declan Rice has just done such a job I think I saw a stat yesterday that in 900 minutes of football he's been dispossessed one time this season yeah, that's not bad is it not Shit, bad. it's not a- it's a shame he's coming home to Chelsea, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he probably he probably will realistically, won't he? But I seriously hope he doesn't. I mean, there's there's other players that will say, you know, um, you hear him on like talk shows yeah. and stuff saying, why should he move? He's got everything he could ever want at West Ham as long as they can sort of keep him happy. He's getting regular first team football. He's in European matches now. He's adding goals to his game. He's the captain of a club. The fans obviously absolutely love him. I imagine if you ask any. West Ham fan who their favourite player is nine out of ten of them would, would choose Declan Rice yeah. so, England international as well isn't he so of course yeah you know uh, yeah. probably future England captain I might, I might just um, be in a bit West Ham happy there but <laughs> anyway moving <laughs> no, on <laughs> I think he's got potential to to be honest uh, yeah. I think I also think he's probably going to stay with your bill because I think n- not like forever he might move say in like a few years time but I don't think it will be soon I think if he was going to move this would have been the transfer window that he would have done it yeah exactly that you know he's broke into the England squad he, he he's now a sort of he's known on the global stage um, 
biggest stage of them all. So like you say, I think if he'd have moved now would have been the prime time to do that. But um, hopefully we've just done the right things to keep him on board for a little bit longer at least. But yeah, what a player. Um, completely bossing midfield and everyone at the moment is just saying, you know, what there's barely any better centre mids in the game at the minute in terms of all-round performance. You kind of pigeonhole a lot of defenders now in different areas. You know, they're either a central attacking midfielder or a centre defensive midfielder. But in terms of all-round game, he's just got the lot. Um, and that's my love for Declan Rice speech over. Yeah. <laughs> Please marry me. Uh, sounds very well rehearsed, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> you watch your sister, he's got a little tattooed on his forearm or something. Yeah. You want to see the tattoo of his face and his bum? <laughs> Wait until you see that. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's, that's for the, the post-war From Sunday <laughs> League this weekend, I got kneed in the rear end and I've got a huge bruise on my ass. <laughs> it's not the sort the of conven- clarin blue you want, really, is it, being a West Ham fan? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so we've done the, the, the favourite things. A um, little bit of randomness now. Uh, There's a bit I've, I've called, because I've got no other better name for it, called it Squad Game. Um, absolutely <laughs> no play on the words that popular Netflix show at all, honest. Um, obviously, nowadays, teams have squad numbers. So what I've done is mix that with the old sort of battleships, if you're familiar okay. with that. Yeah. Right, so we've yeah. got go from uh, A to E, one to eight, pick a letter number combo. It's a random question, just for a bit of a laugh, really. Um, so we'll do we'll two do two different boards, do a few for Tom and a few for Billy. That's all right. Cool. So I say the the choice of twelve, and it's based on a match from uh, your team's history. This block quite significant. So for Chelsea, I went for the starting eleven um, that won the Champions League final in two thousand and twelve. Okay. So you've got. Czech, Basingua, Cole, Cahill, Louise, uh, Obi Mikel, Kalu, Lampard, Mata, Bertrand, Drogba, and then Dimiteo in charge. Yep. Which one of those are you picking? And that equates to just a random board. So, what, so I'm just picking any player? Pick one of those players, yeah. Um, just because it was the biggest shock of the whole thing, I'm going to go for Bertrand. Okay, okay. So that is board 11. So here we go. So I'll say A to E uh, and 1 to 8. So okay, I'll, give us your first letter, letter number combo. I'll go for D8. D8. Yeah. So that is question 35. Oh, dear. Uh, if you're in the trenches, which two players, would, which player would you want either side of you? So you've got one to your left, one to your right. Um, who would you want? If you're in the trenches, what two players would you want? Yeah, who, who would you want either side? Uh, I'm going to take uh, Kovacic and Ivanovic. I can pick anyone, yeah, all from that team. No, anyone in general. Um, there could be Chelsea, yeah. there could be non-Chelsea. from. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I'm going to take actually. I'm going to change. I'm going to take Rudiger and Ivanovic. Okay. Yeah, no one messing with them. Couple of big buggers. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Ivanovic was hard as nails, literally. Yeah, he was. Well, when we had it, he was slow as fuck as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you, you, you got well Ferrari Ivanovic. We got clapped out. Morris Minor Ivanovic. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you really did. Yeah, thanks for that. No um, worries, mate. <laughs> uh, right, second choice. 
second choice. I'm going to go for B4. Right, so that is uh, question 40. <laughs> this is the, the randomness of these. So if aliens okay. landed on Earth, which player would you send to greet them? If aliens landed on Earth. Uh, N'Golo Kante. How, how can anyone not or anything not get on with N'Golo Kante? They keep up with his energy, though. That's the thing. They'd be like, this guy's just on something else. <laughs> they're, they're probably, I'd make him leave. True. Not in a bad True. way. True. But... I think he'd he'd deal with it well. He'd be just nice and warming. That's it. He'd run from the from the shops, get him some, get to the ship. Yeah. There you go. One anything else? There you go. Run off and just boundless energy. That guy. You don't see him stop still, do you? It's it's crazy. He's uh, yeah. I'd say like like Bill was saying earlier, Declan Rice has got absolutely everything. I'd say Kante is the only thing that he hasn't got that Declan Rice has brought into his game this season is the goal scoring. Yeah. Other than that, the Kante is the best centre midfielder in the world just close to get to him yeah alright third one Um, uh, what we got was it up to E did you say yeah A to E one to eight A to E I'll go I'll go for D4 then D4 yeah yeah 28 Uh, if you had a sign in the tunnel like they've got this is Anfield what would it say? Yeah. Uh, what would it say? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, probably Zigazaga. It's a it's a fam- famous Chelsea song. Right. And I think if I saw that before going out to a game, being a Chelsea fan, that's what would get me get me yeah. geared up. Okay, yeah. so something different. I mean the the. the chap who does the Oasis podcast away on, on the last episode he, he chose a line from Acquiesce okay so yeah that's like could have been anything no, could have been anything. yeah I'd go I think I, for me like anything to do with football would relate back to Chelsea and uh, yeah yeah that what I love at Chelsea games is when someone kicks off Ziga Zaga it goes mental that's, that's all not something, that's, I don't know if it's something you do at away games I, I don't recall hearing it but I might, just might not have been listening properly to be fair yeah, it's pretty popular at away yeah. games. That's where it happens the most normally. Right. I'll bear that in mind if we ever cross paths again. <laughs> yeah. Um, final one for this one then. Okay. Um, A1. Right, so, question 20. Uh, if you owned the club, what would you change about it? Okay, so there's one thing that I would change straight away. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but it has peeved me off so many times this season. Right. We had a £2 booking fee on tickets and postage. So it's booking and postage. So it's basically for them to print out the tickets and post the tickets to the fans. This season, everything's changed since over over COVID and you have to print your tickets at home yourself. The club are still charging... No. The printing and postage fee. Are you doing it the, yourself? On the and then you. So we're essentially, as Chelsea fans, are paying to print our own tickets off at home. <laughs> and the amount of uproar that's going on at the moment, there's like there's been meetings with uh, supporters club members with the club and things like that. And that yeah, they're they're that gonna have, they've got them, they've got to drop it asap because it, it's getting stupid. 
know what they're going to do though they're just going to raise the price of the tickets and then drop out the- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we should be scrapping the two pound but tickets are going to buy a fiver what yeah <laughs> Although, to be fair, I will give Chelsea this. A lot of clubs this season after COVID put their ticket prices up and Chelsea didn't. So nice. I'll give them fair pay to them for that. So you still got to sell a small organ anyway, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, literally. Um, all right, so that, that's your bit of that done. Um, I think what we'll do, because obviously, Tom, you've got to uh, get off, don't you, um, in not too long. Um, yeah. Go through your 4 for you and your your time level, if, if Billy's all right to sort of sit there and yeah, hang on a bit yeah <laughs> so Billy, we'll, we'll get you, to you don't worry did you do your homework on those bits bill <laughs> i did uh much yeah. to the uh discomfort of everyone else in work walking past my screen and seeing me looking at football players <laughs> <laughs> just, just tell them it's quite important yeah yeah, yeah. I uh, all right so the uh, four for you then um as i gave the brief before five matches you can experience that match from the point of view of any player on that pitch um didn't necessarily have to be, I mean, if you've chosen Chelsea players, wouldn't have necessarily to be one of them. It could have been on the opposition maybe, but there you go. You've yeah. got the choice. So uh, you want to fire away with your first one? Uh, yeah, so mine are very Chelsea related. Um, as you probably realise, everything has been. Um, uh, the first one for me is Drogba in Munich. Um, that's the greatest moment, surely, of any football player's life, scoring... We think we're out of the Champions League final. We've lost it. And one of the last kicks of the game, he pulls off one of the most ridiculous headers that you can see anyone score, beating Neuer at his front post and, and putting us into extra time. I think that's got to be one of the best moments ever. So it takes a lot to beat Neuer at the best of times, doesn't it? Let alone in head, Munich against Munich. A header from essentially in line with the penalty spot past the post and he's bent it back round. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, you, you don't score them often. That's what... well, as possibly bleak as this. Drogba! Almost like Roberto Carlos's free kick for Brazil against uh, against France. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been a good one actually picking that. Yeah. Um, second choice. Um, Bolton away, two thousand and five. Lampard rounds the keeper, slots it home to give Chelsea their first top division title since two football for fifty years since uh, nineteen fifty five. So, I think what he must have been feeling then was was pretty special. Like the season was special, and to to cap it off with Lampard actually winning it for us, obviously made it ten times better. And when he when he ran round that goal after scoring it, and into those Chelsea fans, that that yeah, I'd, I'd love to be him that right then. Yeah, because that would have been was that Mourinho's first season in charge, wasn't it? Oh four, oh five. Yeah, first season in charge for yeah. Mourinho. Yeah. I think say two thousand five. That was you know a good season for us. Obviously, we had the great escape. So. We're doing yeah. our thing at the bottom. You're doing your thing at the top. It's all good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I do remember. Yeah, I do remember that actually. That, who, who was it? Sheffield so. United. Was it Sheffield United that went down instead, or who no, was it? It was. That... Um, it was between us, Palace, Norwich, and Southampton. Oh yeah, that was. I it. think at Sa- one point throughout the game, every team had been safe, and then uh, yeah, Palace were playing Charlton, so obviously a South London derby, and they were winning. 
Um, but then I think Jonathan Fortune scored a late header to make it 2-2, which then being as we were beating Portsmouth, ended up keeping us up and um, sending them down. Happy days. Uh, absolutely crazy. You don't know what it's like being at the bottom, do you? No, no. I can't. Not in my lifetime. My, my dad can tell you different. He's seen us relegated twice, but yeah. See, me and Billy, we've been there, you know, dropping into the bottom three into the championship. Yeah. We even played each other in the championship, I believe. We have, yeah. Uh, we have. Yeah. Dropper. Candela. Lampard. Frank Lampard here for Chelsea. Lampard! That could be the championship! Distance now. All right, um, third choice, that's all. Um, I, I've got so I've got uh, being Torres in Barcelona uh, when he rounded the keeper. Um, is that the one with but, the Gary Neville scream on the comments? Yeah, thing? yeah, I'm like yeah. he's just been kicked in the nuts or something, exactly that. But I think. I think I'm going to change that one quickly, actually, because okay. I'd put that one in, but I, there was one that I thought about at work today, which was that I wanted to replace it with, and now I just forgot to, which was um, just to change it up a bit from it all being Chelsea. I wanted to be uh, Zinedine Zidane in the 2006 World Cup final. Um, and obviously it wasn't a good game for him. Well, obviously, Penenka penalty first, fair play, amazing. Scoring that, how you must feel scoring that would be cool. But then I'd love to know from a bad perspective what was going through his head when he headbutted him. Uh, mm. Like, I'd love to know. So, so I think the only thing going through Zidane's head was probably Matarazzi's chest, wasn't it? Yeah, literally. Literally. But, yeah, I think I'd go for Zidane in that moment. Well, I'd like to be in Zidane's head a lot of the time because when I look at that bloke, he look, I just wonder what he's thinking. He looks yeah. so, I don't know. Some of the skills Mental. he's done as well, it just oh, mad something else, isn't it? Um, yeah, right. So that's your thought. And it looks like Matarazzi is the player who's face down on the deck. Well, you can see here it's in conversation with Zidane, a pair of them walking away after Grosso's cleared the ball. Oh, my word, that is extraordinary. A headbutt to the chest of Matarazzi. The only issue is whether any of the officials saw it happen. And clearly they did. Zidane sent off a shameful incident that marks his last act on a football field. The last match of his career irreparably tarnished. He might... Third one. Uh, number four. Uh, Old Trafford, 2001. David Beckham scores... The most ridiculous free kick against Greece in the 94th minute against Greece. Uh, for as an Englishman, that's got to be well, obviously, not our greatest moment, but in my lifetime, probably the greatest yeah, it, moment. Sort of, yeah. And it wasn't how even many people that, um, have actually said that one as well. That's one that crops up quite a bit. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't even at a major tournament, which is what's more bizarre about it because you'd normally think greatest moment playing for England it's got to be scoring some sort of a World Cup goal or actually at the World Cup but yeah nah that that goal was you you what you think when you're a kid and you're taking free kicks in a park you kind of think you dream about mo imagine ever scoring a goal like that in the, the last kick of the game to put and he did it mental 
was a belting free kick as well. Then again, I don't think he ever took a bad one, really, did he? Nah, nah. Uh, and no one, no one else takes that free kick under that pressure. Nah. Uh-huh. We've played two and a half minutes of stoppage time. England trail by two goals to one. Beckham could raise the roof here with a goal. I don't believe it. David Beckham scores the goal to take England all the way to the World Cup finals. Um, that's four down. So what's your last one? Um, I had I had to pick this uh, Porto 2021 uh, Chelsea beating Man City. I think the obvious thing would be to go for like can uh, for like Havertz scoring the goal or or for Mount being a, a Chelsea fan all his life. But for me, I'd, I'd in that game I'd have to be as Pilaqueta. Um, he's in my opinion, and a lot of people that I go to Chelsea with's opinion, although everyone speaks highly of him, I don't think he is rated as highly as he should be. Uh, yeah. it, for, for me and, and a lot of the people I speak to, he he's 100% in that John Terry, Lampard, Peter Cech category. Uh, he's been at the club at a different time period to them. Obviously, he played with them for a while, but he, he's the only player since them lot that has given his like everything consistently every single game for years to the club. Um, he'd won everything up until then, apart from the Champions League. And I think, uh, that must like for me and for him that must have been the icing on the cake for his career. Off, yeah. yeah. That's a uh, interesting shot. It, so go oh, sorry. He got to lift the trophy as well, so he doesn't oh, want to yeah. do that. Yeah. Can so, you buy him for like three million, I wanna say? No, well, we bought him for seven point five million from okay. Marseille. Well, Seven point yeah. five million. I think he's nine ninth season now, and he pretty much played plays every single game the club has. It's yeah. mental. So I mean, seven and a half million on a player these days that probably gets you someone from I don't know League One, maybe doesn't it? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Literally, that's, that's, that, that, that's probably our transfer budget for a season, but that's another story. Yeah. All right, so four for you, done for you, Tom. So next on to the strangely titled Trippier through time because yeah, sounds all right, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, eleven players and a manager uh, between the sixties and the current decade, but you can only have two or up to two from any particular decade. Yeah. Far away. Okay, keeper was a no-brainer for me. Uh, Benetti in goal from oh, the sixties. Yeah. Uh, you'd obviously put Peter Cech in the same bracket, but they're players for me in his era that had to come first um oh, yeah. so Benetti um right right back I'm um, going with Reese James from the current 20s uh is that what we're calling this decade I guess it's 20s isn't it or it is, isn't it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think Reese James is still got a lot of growth to do um but he's just superb he's got he's got everything like there's a lot of right wing backs at the moment that are obviously incredible going forward but they're use, useless defensively and I think Reese James does both really well so he's in there for me um, centre back uh, from the 90s uh, Desai he's, he's got to go in there he, I kind of remember him being my first obsession on uh, FIFA was having Desai in the team because he just was solid so um, him and LeBeouf played together didn't they yeah yeah it was, Sensational partnership, really. Um, 
John Terry alongside him from the 2000s. Because I guess, obviously, JT could have been 2000s or 2010s. Yeah, so but... if it overlaps a decade, you've got the option then as to which one you want to use. Yeah. If you want to fit um, someone else in elsewhere. I use that to my advantage here with Ron Harris because okay. he played through the 60s and the 70s, but he did play in 1980 before leaving Chelsea. So it just about uh, scrapes the 80s. So he just goes into the 80s, which opened up other opportunities for the 70s. So uh, Got you. And 60s. So Ron Harris, um, uh, the chopper, as he was called. Uh, obviously, I wasn't born then, but I've watched a lot of footage and uh, he was pretty lethal from, from what I've seen. So you don't get that nickname for no reason, do you? No, exactly. So that's a defence. Um, then coming into midfield, uh, I've got Ray Wilkins from the 70s in the middle. Um, obviously, as a, as a Chelsea fan, we it, what he did to the for the club afterwards as well. What he's done since was phenomenal, and such a shame that he passed away at a young age. Um, so he was on the coaching staff as well at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, he was assistant manager for quite a few years at Chelsea. So, um, yeah, and when he when he was, he was he was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Like the way he talked, the way he was with fans. He always had so much time for fans at away games and everything like that. Um, brilliant. Uh, in the middle with him, uh, it's pretty obvious, but Frank Lampard, there's no way he wasn't getting in. Uh, so him from the uh, 2000s. Uh, then, what's that? What? Oh, I thought he's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he is, taking the... Big fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just jealous because we got the best out of him. That's your midfield on uh, wide men? Wide men is... Uh, the two obvious ones for any Chelsea fan, I think. Obviously, Hazard from 2010s. You, you, he was very close to being probably one of my favourite players of all time alongside Lampard. He's yeah. very close to that. Um, and then a player who I only saw his kind of last years, but he always lasted with me. I had, I had him on the back of recent shirts as well. Uh, just an absolute icon, Gianfranco Zola. Yeah. Uh, from the 90s there's I mean he was even had some moments for West Ham as a manager didn't he Bill? He did mate he's also the name of the Lumley family dog now isn't he? Yes uh, my mum and dad's uh, German shepherd is called Zola yes <laughs> Brilliant Yeah. Ironically that was um, out of the, the questions that I've got for the, the squad game bit that was something that you could have got asked if you'd have got a dog that you had to name after a footballer what would, they be? what would it be but there we go we've answered another question inadvertently so, there you go I so, was pushing hard for Frank I wanted the dog to be called Frank but that wasn't allowed and my dad was pushing hard for Didier um, so Zola was what, what what got decided in the end you could have gone could have gone for Dogba yeah exactly well, exactly yeah. As, as you said earlier obviously it was a you know a, a piss take on him but it works if you get an animal. Yeah, Billy. I don't think Billy was here at the time, but we for the first two years of Dogba being at Chelsea, he he was called Dogburn's son, Dogba by the fans because we hated him. He was useless. Um, that all changed. He was he, it, he was awful, and then obviously he then yeah. Okay, so that's that's midfield and everything done. Assuming from this, you've gone four four two. I have gone four four two. Yeah. 4-4-2, yeah. Um, I did look at ways of doing a back three and stuff, but um, 
it just I don't know the, the players that are here it made sense to me to go 4-4-2 yeah, that's um, your prerogative whatever formation you couldn't write a front nine if you wanted but <laughs> yeah yeah uh now nah, i thought it needed to be a solid like an actual team that could play on a pitch yeah um up front uh osgood from the 70s there's there's no way he doesn't get in any chelsea fans team uh he'd maybe be closely rivaled by drogba if you were allowed to have from any decades but obviously the, the Drogba decades, John Terry and Lampard surely yeah. has to be the ones. Um, so you've got Osgood and then up top with him from the 2010s is Diego Costa for me. Um, mm. I know a lot of people hated him and I can completely understand why other clubs hated him. I just thought he was sensational. He had everything. That, yeah, he was class. I suppose it's one of the things like, you hate to have him playing against you, but you'd have him on your team all day. All day long. He caused problems like constantly and uh Antonio Conte for me at Chelsea was an incredible manager but one thing that I'll never ever forgive him for was upsetting Costa and getting rid of him because Costa I reckon Costa would have stayed with Chelsea for quite a, a long time especially if we had someone like Tuchel that would actually know how to manage him yeah um and the the couple of seasons there where we dropped down into Europa League and things like that I don't think they'd have happened if we had Costa in the team so, so you've got your, your men who are on the pitch. Who's guiding them from the dugout? It's, I'm really torn. Um, uh, I want to go for Thomas Tuchel because, like I said earlier, the reasons I gave for him being probably my favourite ever Chelsea manager that I've seen currently, um, Thomas Tuchel. But there's a, a guy who unless you're a Chelsea fan, I don't think people realise how much he did for the club in his two, he had two very short spells, um, which is Gus Hiddink. Um, okay. He was phenomenal. He was absolutely robbed of a Champions League final by a referee that didn't give us four clear penalties against Barcelona, um, which they then scored in, I don't know if you remember that, Iniesta in the very last minute and knocked us out. Um, we, we were absolutely robbed. Um, and Hiddink, I think, would have won the Champions League that season if it wasn't for the ref. Um, and I'm not normally someone that would just constantly blame the ref, but <laughs> everyone knows that day was... That was horrific. Absolutely horrific. Um, so, oh, Hiddink or Tuchel? I don't know. It was, you, there was also... One was the main one and one was the assistant, if you want. Oh. Just which way? Okay, around. then I'm I'm going hitting with Tuchel's assistant. Okay, because I think Tuchel from an assistant, like won't like that, mate. Nah, but, but I know you might not like it. But hitting is like the older, more experienced, nice bloke. And from like your assistant, you really want that tactical side of things. And I think Tuchel is a tactical mastermind. Fair enough. Still couldn't beat the Albion though. Anyway. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So That's, you've got to uh, shoot off now, haven't you, Tom? I have, unfortunately. So, yeah. it's, it's been a pleasure. So uh, I'm sure Billy will be uh, more than happy to finish this off. Ah. I'm so glad I haven't got to sit here and listen to all of his rubbish about West Ham. My, my <laughs> 11 is just Declan Rice at different ages throughout his career. <laughs> but is. So we just put the answer to everything now is just Declan Rice. Yeah. Declan, yeah. <laughs> that was easy enough, right? <laughs> What's your favourite side with dinner? Declan Rice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Uh, All right. Bro. Yeah, Tom, again, uh, thank you for, for joining us and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, mate. Thanks, Mark, and thanks for all the support you, you give the band as well. Okay? Nah, not a problem. Cheers, yeah. As long as you keep knocking out the tunes, I'll keep listening to them and, uh, and spreading the word. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. And hopefully uh, we'll see you at a gig at some point, maybe. Uh, if you're ever in the West Midlands, I'll try and get along. We'll nah. be there soon, don't you worry. Super. Brilliant, Rod. <laughs> Sam, cheers, Tom. Take it easy. Cheers, boys. Take care. See, see you later. See you Wednesday. Cheers. Thank God he's gone. And then there were two. <laughs> all right, so you, you've got the gist of how that went. Um, yes, I have. And time is probably not on our side, so we might have to rush through this a little bit. Yeah, feel free to plough through. With, like you say, you've got parental duties to attend yeah, to. Yeah, such is the life, eh? But um, So we'll go back to the, the squad game, which I, yep. I really need to come up with a better title for that, seriously. <laughs> um, your choice is from, uh, again, 2012, playoff final against Blackpool. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, Rob Green, was it Guy Demel? Is that how you pronounce it? Or was it Guy? Demel, yep, that's right. It's, it's spelled Guy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Winston Reid, James Tompkins, Matt Taylor, Jack Collison, Mark Noble, Kevin Nolan, Gary O'Neill, Carlton Cole, Ricardo Vazte, and uh, the man in charge, Fat Sam. Good so, guys. What a bunch going, of guys. Who are you going from that lot? So I'm going to go with. Uh, West Ham legend himself, Mark Noble. All right, so that was board number seven. Okay, okay. Right. Uh, again, same uh, as what Tom did. Um, what did he pick? He picked four overall. So uh, A to E, one to eight. What are we going for first? I'm going to kick off with uh, my name and number. So B5. B5. Uh, okay. Number four. Um <laughs> Right, this is hardly news night sets of questions, by the way, just so as you've probably gathered already. Um, what footballer do you think would make the best Prime Minister? Oh, I feel like there's some that talk a lot of sense and some that talk a load of waffle. But uh, I don't know, who's probably arguably the most honest things? That's probably what we need. <laughs> Football player. I don't know. I kind of want to, kind of want to say Martin Keown. Um, obviously a form, former player but uh, <laughs> no, it can be a former player like, just anyone who's played basically yeah I feel like he, he he talks a lot of sense with a level head majority of the time um, but then he's got that side to him that when he needs to get the job done he will get the job done at all costs um, just probably not story. <laughs> yeah probably not afraid to make himself look at a bit of a Pratt in the process, but um, if it's for the for the right reasons, he'll do it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna gonna throw a bit of a weird one in there and go for Mike Keown. Okay, that's just random to say the least. That's, that's fair enough. Yeah. All right, um, choice number two. Um, a seven. A seven choice number twenty-two. Uh, have you ever met a footballer? I I met Ray Parler once um, in a little social club in Hornchurch um, called the Nalgo. Um, he, he was, I think he was having a beer actually. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, we, I briefly spoke to him then. Um, I have also met, I think I met Joe Cole once when I was a kid, uh, like kind of a, a function day or something uh, um, at the bowling ground. Can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but like, yeah, like a meet, meet and greet with the players. So yeah. That was pretty cool. And somewhere in my family, 
husband of a cousin of a mum or something was was Ashley Cole, who, uh, okay. who signed a, an Arsenal picture for me when I was a kid as well. And I've still, I think I've still got that knocking about somewhere. So I just colour the shirt in blue, and that will just have the have the choice. <laughs> you could sell it to Tom. Could do. Um, all right. So uh, third choice. C three. C three. It's number seven. Uh, as a player, what would be the song you'd want to walk out onto the pitch to before kickoff? Well, I mean, as, as much as, as Bubbles kind of is the the song that's embedded in my my heart. Um, it say that say that didn't exist then. It what doesn't was, really what? strike fear into the opponent, does it? To be honest, <laughs> not particularly. <laughs> no. Um, don't know, something that's going to get you like geared up, like, I don't know, a fire starter or something with a bit of angst and anger yeah. to it, get you really pumped up. With, with, some, like, with some bollocks, basically. Yeah, got some, got some welly to it. Makes you want to fill up for a battle straight away. Any Anything in particular, or are we going to go with fire like, starter? Uh, sorry, fire starter by like, what right now, so that's fair yeah, enough. So, that's, uh, uh, that's what I'm going to throw out there. I think that that G me up. Yeah, I suppose you've got the build up to it as well, like the, with that. The intro and then it kicks in with the with the drums and yeah. it's so, so okay well, I'll go with that. Well, so who is it? I think is it? I think there's a club actually that walks out to Club Foot by Kasabian and that's that's always a good song that feels like a feels like a bit of football anthem over the years and yeah that that gear me up as well. I, I, I want to say Leicester, but that's just purely because that's where Kasabian are from. It, it, it probably, probably is actually. I think you're right. Or they come out to Underdog sometimes. Oh, I can't um, remember. Yeah, one of the Kasabian tracks. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of Leicester fans out there who'll know and, and put yeah, us right. Fourth and final one for this then? Uh, E2. E2, okay. Uh, number 26. Uh, do you prefer playing a lone strike or, or having a strike partnership? I love it when a strike partnership works really well together. Yeah. That being said, I feel like the modern day, you kind of have this, this false nine lone striker-y feel and then your wingers feeding off of that kind of acting as like almost two other strikers yeah, so you're wide like, strikers aren't they exactly yeah you know when you look at like the way Liverpool play in the modern day as well with, with like Firmino obviously being such an integral part of their team when they're firing on all cylinders and even Jota when he's coming in for him to be fair I mean Klopp's got them so well drilled and when you've got Salah's class I mean that that for me works as a better system in the modern day but um, it even like as recently as a couple of seasons ago when you see 
and I'm going to say Burnley here because I think it's probably one of the best examples of it. When they're playing Wood and uh, Barnes together and them two are bouncing off of each other, I think they're brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're really class. And they're, they're on their day, they're, un, they're kind of unplayable. But the trouble is that that day doesn't come around too often anymore. <laughs> uh, was, it, was it Burnley just because they play in Claret and Blue as well? No, it's just because I think <laughs> like, it's just few teams. I feel that still to this day kind of do the four four two thing with with two out and out strikers, um, or at least it, yeah, well four four two. There's kind of different ways of doing it now, isn't yeah, there? But a bit of front two in a way. But I think recently, I think I don't know if it was, was it this season or the back end of last season. They actually started um, with a, a one to eleven. Oh, squad really? numbers they like, played there they're one to eleven on the squad sheet yeah which is the first time it yeah, happened not for, that really happens in in this day and age everyone's uh, got their, I mean, their preferred number it had been done uh, when oh, like, we had uh, a special kit done for like a replica of the sixty eight cup final yeah but with just what was that with the actual squad numbers on I can't remember um, United did it for a celebration uh, it was the anniversary of the Munich disaster I think it was against Man City they wore like an old school kit. Right, but I think prior to that, I don't. I hadn't been done for ages. An actual, like proper. This is our kit. This is one to eleven. Yes, yeah, so probably so, since way back when, like what yeah. the eighties or something, probably. So yeah, right. Well, uh, that's that bit done. Um, four for you. What's your what, what games you're going for? Right, I'm going to consult the phone because, uh, like I said, I jotted these down in, in the middle of work, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Oh, well, I must have misread the message in the, in the panic of trying to do it uh, on the same day, but um, I did think it was supposed to be all from my club, so I did choose five originally. But I've also that's what, uh, what, whatever five hearing, you want. Well, while I was hearing you and Tom read off a couple of examples earlier, um, a couple more sprung to mind. So I'm gonna I'm gonna omit a couple of my West Ham ones in favour of those. Yeah, I'll, I'll start the with the West Ham ones though. Um, I suppose which ones to pick. Okay, I'll get rid of that one, which so that kind of hit the post. It won't be Manuel Lanzini in that three all goal against Tottenham, but I'll, I'll let that one slip. Uh, I think maybe to be Trevor Brook in, in his FA Cup 1980 win, only goal scorer uh, would have. Oh, Devinch is round the back. Oh, right across, it's free. Driven in, and is it a goal? It is. Brooking, Trevor Brooking, the ball ricocheted in off him, and West Ham are in front. It's been, well, just like, it's something I wish I saw in my lifetime. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, West Ham are going to do the quadruple this year uh, with the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, Europa Cup, and the Premier League. Uh, <laughs> Stick a five <laughs> Mate, don't tempt me. Um, That's it. West Ham have won the cup. It's gone to the second division for the third time in eight seasons. David Cross. But yeah, like that's obviously one of our greatest achievements, along with the earlier win that we had um, at the FA Cup. But and then obviously Trevor Brooking has just become a club icon. Got his own stand named after him at, at the London Stadium and at, at the bowling as well. I was going to say he had it at the at the Old Ground as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was my, my first season ticket was in the Trevor Brook in lower. Um, can't remember what seat number, but uh, I was just underneath the top tier. Like, just, uh, yeah, I used to do like a big grill underneath. I remember goals went in and I come in hung over one day to the game and I threw my chips in there and they was all stuck to the grate above me. <laughs> <laughs> Gradually dropping on the rest of the fans for the rest of the game. <laughs> Praying for a couple to come down because you're that starving. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did regret it straight away. <laughs> um 
I would also love to have been, uh, I think, Mark Noble with that last game at the bowling. Either that or Kevin Nolan at the playoff final. Those two, I kind of, I'll count them as one, but um, both just to be, have a real special moment for the club. Um, something that, you know, that will stick with you forever just for its special sense of occasion, um, more than perhaps the games themselves. But obviously, yeah, what what a day both were um, for the fans and no doubt for all the players. And for the last West Ham one, I'll say, will be the uh, <laughs> the FA Cup winning. I think it was 2015 um, at the bowling against Everton. We didn't obviously go on to win or anything, but it was the day when we had a uh, we won nine eight on penalties against Everton, and we probably were known for being one of the not as good penalty taking teams of the 21st century um, yeah. but it was the game where Adrian was our goalkeeper at the time was so confident in scoring the pen that he took his gloves off before taking it and slotted it home to be I think was it Pickford um, who was playing in goal for them or, or I think it might have had a different keeper back then but uh, yeah, so I don't think yeah. Pickford's been there that long has he so yeah, he was the right character as well. I used to, I used to really like chanting Adrian's name um, from the stands, getting a little wave off of him. <laughs> One Spanish goalkeeper against another Spanish goalkeeper. Looks like he's going for power. Ole! And West Ham are through to a fourth round tie at Crystal City. So, uh, I was gonna say that's, that's that was that's the third three, one, yeah. Yeah, well, I think I've actually ruled off five anyway, but um, but there's two more that spring to mind that I think I'd want to be involved in. Um, one is the I think it's the playoff semi final, um, Leicester versus Watford when Troy Deeney scored that last minute goal that was end to end after the Leicester penalty didn't go in. Yep. I think that is just, I think it's more, maybe it's the commentary that does it for me. I'm a sucker for good commentary on when the commentators <laughs> scream, but uh, that just for me, an end-to-end goal in the, what, the 95th minute, I think, yeah, following the penalty, has a game that's been turned so much on its head. Um, I don't think it has been. time. Um, and then... Knockout takes, Almunia saves, knockout follows in, Almunia saves again! Absolutely astonishing. Now here come Watford. Forestieri. Here's Hogg. Deeney! Go on, so your, your final one? Final one, I think. Um, Aguero for the first Man City Premier League title. Just that, again, perhaps it's the commentary doing me in, but Aguero! <laughs> no. see, there's just random like I say random bits of commentary that just stick with you isn't there there is yeah and it's just that's just such a class I mean that moment I, I think I, it was against United as well when it? it was there between them and United to who was going to win yeah because weren't the they game. weren't they waiting on the result of the Man City game as well yeah they could literally I think the the clip you can obviously like YouTube or whatever these days but um, there's just all the United fans just standing around on their phones waiting waiting for news like sitting there with a phone in hand saying you know asking what's going on and then gradually you just see them all yeah I, I want to say it was against 
Sunderland, I think they had on the last day, if I remember. And I think that they... It's been a while, so I've got good well be wrong. Won. I can't remember if both needed to win. I can't remember how the results needed to pan out off the top of my head, but... I think it was it was nil nil, wasn't it? Until the the last, until the dime minutes, was it two two all or something? And then yeah, because QPR that. Man City weren't they? Because I think QPR were, had done enough to stay up with the goal difference, possibly. Yeah, but either way, they stayed up. City won the league. The rest yeah. is history. And yeah, just what what a brilliant moment for for them. And for some reason, West Ham and Man City fans seem to have a good rapport with each other. So it's nice to give throw them a bone. <laughs> there you go. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Yeah, um, so that, that's your, your four for you, Don. Um, right, your, your decade seem obviously you were Tom's earlier on, so you see if you can match that or better it. Yeah, well, I don't think I'll be able to bear it. The, the calibre of, of players over the years has not been quite of the same standard, <laughs> shall we say, but... Uh, Nevertheless, I've probably gone for a fairly safe bet. My my knowledge pre-me being on the planet isn't probably the best. Um, so I've probably gone for a few safe options rather than a few that um, maybe some older West Ham fans yeah. will say I'm, I'm missing some tricks uh, by not including X, Y and Z. But um, we're going to go for Ludo McCloskoe in goal. Uh, we're still chanting his name to this day from the stands, regardless of what people we have between the posts. Ludo has lived long in the memory for us um believe he was around in sort of the 80s era um yeah fantastic keeper one of our most capped goalkeepers i believe over, over the years and uh yeah just a an all-round swell guy thanks for the thanks for the songs ludo <laughs> so you say he was 80s yeah i believe so um yeah i've kind of done a, a small bit of research into make sure i was trying to squeeze players in i've had to kind of wedge a few in that maybe started playing in yeah. one decade but still currently playing well, to be honest. he was definitely around in the 90s because that's what I remember yeah. sooner then yeah, yeah so I might, I might get away with that as well we'll, we'll revisit uh, that one <laughs> yeah I might have to check double check a few of my answers but uh, <laughs> uh, we've gone for a back four um, of Steve Potts at right back yeah we've got the man myth legend Bobby Moore at centre half alongside Billy Bonds Obviously, two huge pair in there. Yeah, that that's probably as as good a pairing as you could ask for, um, in terms of I suppose legend status. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, another stand now. Two two more stands named after him. Two there, um, and then for left back we've gone for big stocky Julian Dix. What a tank! So someone who uh, he knew how to take a penalty, didn't they? Yeah, it was uh, I, also. On our coaching staff under Slaven. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know if he was. Was he an ass- If he wasn't his assistant, he was definitely one of the coaches. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he was back with us temporarily while while Village was there as well, which was it was nice to have him have him back. <laughs> so he's a he's a yeah cool icon. I say for uh, well, nineties West Ham, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Ross, uh, there was a few a more platform. really that I, I could have picked but but haven't like Rio Ferdinand of course what well, a yeah. he turned out to be um, yeah you know we've, we've had some some strong setbacks over the years but perhaps struggled to hold on to some of them more than we would like that's a lot of the other players to be fair have you gone uh, 4-4-2 for this one as well or have you sort of tinkered a bit or 
it's I've kind of gone with a like a like a four one three two ish. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to have kind of done a four two three one if anything, but there there was a couple of things that I couldn't really resist. And just in terms of the, I think the years I would have ended up clashing a few players if I wanted to have say I wanted to have maybe Michael Carrick in the midfield, but I could have detracted from someone else being in there. Um, so the way I've worked it is, yeah, like a four, one, three, two, probably not the best formation tactically to play if you was to field them as an 11, but in terms of the players that I'm aware of, at so least. It takes care of itself. Yeah, that's kind of what I've gone for anyway. Right, so as, as the one holding midfielder we've got, of course, Declan Rice. <laughs> he had to be there somewhere, didn't he? Of course, yeah, I think he did. He's, he's probably the most technically gifted player we've had. Um Young, energetic. Need I say more? He's got he's got it all where it counts. Like like we said earlier, you know, as, as far as centre back, centre midfielders go, he's um, probably one of the most well rounded you could ask for in the current yeah. era. So that's your sort of defence and defensive midfielder sorted. So yeah. how about your attacking side of the team? Uh, so I've kind of gone for a, an attacking three, if you will, of um, a Joe Cole. Scott Parker, okay, from year twenty tens, perhaps both of them, maybe Cole a bit more two thousands. I think I might get away with that one. And uh, Dimitri Payet out on the left. Um, it's it's hard to put him in, but he just he just done so much. I just it was such a love story with Payet while it lasted. We really did sort of also come to the idea of like he loved the club and. Um, Obviously, there was a few things off the field that that was made him leave in the end. But um, you know, just some of the goals, some of the memories that I've got out of him playing for the club will just yeah. be worth the waiting goal forever. You know, and if it, if he wasn't scoring, he was assisting brilliant goals. So I've got to chuck him in. He was the player with the most flair I think we've had for a, a long, long, long time. And say it always helps you know you've got someone who's just going to pick the ball up get past a few you know draw a free kick maybe and then end up taking exactly. it putting it to the corner that goal against maybe Middlesbrough if you can remember springs to mind when he took on about five players from the halfway line it was a game that we were really struggling to get our foot into it was nil-nil and it was a boring boring game but we, we needed a result and he went and pulled it out of the hat somehow by taking on the entire team single-handedly just what he does <laughs> yeah so, so you got your uh, you got your supply line sorted. Yeah, I've got plenty of plenty of um, creativity, shall we say, in the yeah. attacking midfield. Who's going to lead the line then? Uh, could you? How could you not put the Canio in? He's 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 in there. He's got to be in there. And I think you know just some of the goals that he scored out of nothing as well, out of absolutely nothing sometimes. Yeah, um, and not just just for the. the brilliant footballing ability that he had but just the, the person that he was his affiliation with the club everything about him was just like gave it for the calls you know he just again it's kind of players that you you know just bleed West Ham um, uh, yeah just he gave us so many happy memories again I guess Thanks. apart from that scissor kick I remember that there's a I mean you'll know more sort of details on it than I will so memories sketchy at the best of times he uh the keeper got injured, didn't he? I can't remember who they were playing. Yeah, and he, and he just stopped and picked up the ball, didn't he? Yes, he was a sportsman at the end of the day. And I think it was things like that that made 
made him earn respect in a way that players don't really get in this day and age. I think that one thing that perhaps modern football players lack is just that that honest character, the bringing across themselves in in a in a positive way. They kind of all sing from the same hymn sheet, if yeah. you will. You know, I feel like player interviews these days they're so monotonous because everyone just says the same thing. You know, oh, so we to come from one nil down and get a result or whatever. You know, it's the same same thing whatever player you hear. But when you actually hear someone who speaks up, it's really refreshing. And um, he, if there's one thing Decanio had, it was it was character in abundance. Yeah, so. <laughs> definitely, that goes without saying. Um, Who's, uh, who's partnering Paolo then? Uh, I've chucked him in there because he is now our all-time Premier League top goal scorer. So, Mickey Antonio has made the cut. Um, perhaps not the most technically gifted player, not a traditional striker by any means. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure he scored his first goal for the club by falling over and somehow hoofing the ball over with the back of his heel over the keeper against Southampton. Yeah, they they do all count, and I'm sure he'll be the first to admit that it wasn't the most glorious goal. But um, yeah, he's become such a talent in up front, um, an absolute handful for defenders in in more ways than one. Um, even when you look at last season, obviously this season is already proving to be one of his best returns, especially from the um, the amount of goals that he scored this early in the season. Yeah. But uh, even if you look at last year, just the intelligent runs that he was making as well. It's not just his physicality. But his intelligence as a striker is is just just massively improved. Um, uh, there's one that springs to mind when Lingard came to the club for the back end of last season, and he just ran straight across the box, opened up the space, and Lingard ran right into it and finished it with his left peg just to put the game to bed. Yeah, exactly. And um, so Mickey's Mickey's made the cut. Okay, that's uh, that's not a bad team to be fair. I mean, defensively, you wouldn't really want to mess when you got like. Um, you know, the likes of Dix and Moore in there as well. Yeah, got, got some strength in there for sure. If Moore's playing the same side, like his centre position is next to Julian Dix, I'll, be like, I'll go over the opposite side. I'll take my chances on the right-hand side. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, who's in charge of this Motley crew then? It's, it's hard to say because um, in, in the time that I've enjoyed life at West Ham, when I say enjoyed, perhaps using that term a little bit loosely for some of the years that are previous to the last couple, um, there's not really been the fair share of glorious managers. Um, I, I can't really make a team of this calibre and ask Mr Allardyce to, to manage them. <laughs> I don't yeah, we, think... We'd rather not talk about him, so... <laughs> so... Uh, it's. I think, you know, again, perhaps mirroring what Tom said, the current form and perhaps we're blinded by what's currently happening. But um, Moyes has made us sing in ways we didn't think possible. I think when you look at the players in terms of individual ability that we've got on the pitch at the moment, um, how he's getting a fourth place squad out of them whilst being undefeated in the Europa League um, and still in every, well, still in the Carabao Cup, obviously the only one that's kicked off at the minute. But uh while still being in the running for every competition that's on the cards, he's doing things that we wouldn't have thought possible, perhaps with this squad of players, with a different manager, um, as we saw perhaps with with Pellegrini, who is a Premier League winning manager. Yeah. Uh, so I think, imagine what he could do with with players that are even better. You know, the high calibre and exactly. you never know if you do well in Europe this season. Let's no, say you did win. Is it the Europa you're in? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so say if you win that, you get Champions League next season. Yeah. Who knows? Strange things knows? have happened. Imagine that. West Ham United, Champions League winners 2023. That's got a nice <laughs> one to it. 
again, get a fiver on that. Um, is Moyes going to have an assistant or, or just him on his own? Um, let's put him on his own. Everyone else will just ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, that ain't about 11, to be fair. I mean, to say you probably haven't been spoiled with the riches like Tom would have with Chelsea. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, like it's a club that um, perhaps has done its fair share of bringing players through the academy and, and, and signing some some gems from nowhere and turning them into some good players. Perhaps, you know, a bit of a, bit of a Southampton about us at times, but yeah. we're doing well at the moment to keep hold of the players that are making a difference. So, fingers crossed, that remains to be the case. Exactly. See what happens after uh, after you've played 38 games and where you are in that league table. I know, yeah. So, we can, we've got, I think we've got the top three in the next five games so the position could change quite drastically over the, the next few weeks but so if you manage we'll not do. to lose any of them you'd be all right yeah i know we beat man city the other day in the cup so i'll remain optimistic but there you go so um that's pretty much drawn everything to a close now so again i said some you know thank you for for joining us and it was a little bit sort of last minute um <laughs> For dropping no, in. It's no, all good. You know, it's a great thing to be a part of the, the the world of music and the world of football. They often go hand in hand, perhaps not as much as we even give it credit for, not as much as we notice sometimes. But the two are very much joined, um, and it's great to do these little things as as the two guys like Tom said in the band that actually really care about football. Um, it, it, yeah, it's really nice to join the two. So thanks for having us. No, it's just been a pleasure, and um, like I say, if you end up with a gig uh, anywhere around the West Midlands, you'll have to uh, have to let us know. Absolutely, of course we will. Right, so we've so already said bye to Tom, Billy. Thank you for uh, joining us and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, mate. Thank you very much, mate. All, All right. the best. Take, Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Okay, so poems, I say there's one for each one, uh, or for each of the, the teams, rather. Um I hope you enjoy them because I've written them myself as I've with the last couple. Um, the Chelsea one is called Four Years Later and it goes like this. Putting the final of Moscow behind us, the Champions League comes round again. In the group phase, with the Blues, clubs from Belgium, Germany and Spain, Genk, Leverkusen and also Valencia were the first opponents on this European adventure. From the six group games, there was only one we were losing. That was a way to buy a Leverkusen. Three wins and two draws meant 11 points for Chelsea, putting them through to the next round and a trip to Italy. The Parthenopians of Serie A in sky blue, Napoli. The first leg is away and a trip to Naples. They beat us 3-1, but for the away goal, we're grateful. Back to the bridge for Napoli part two. At full time, 3-1 to the hosts. Who knew? Into extra time we go. Resolve is now what the Blues need to show. Halfway through extra time, a penalty is awarded. Thankfully to Chelsea, upset to Vanovic. He scored it. That spot kick was enough to progress to the quarters. The next destination, Portugal for Benfica, not Porto. Both legs in our favour by a single goal. 1-0 over there, 2-1 back at home. The semis up next in a small matter of Barcelona. Drogba settled the first leg from eight yards with a well-placed shot, not a Rabona. The return trip started shaky with the loss of Gary Cahill. Then Bust gets scores and Terry walks, a double bitter pill. As half-time approaches, two more goals for Iniesta and Ramirez. Losing tonight but level aggregate. 45 more minutes left of this. For Barca, a spot kick. Drogba fouled Fabregas. But wait, 
Messi missed. The crossbar, Lionel smashed. Then at the death, the tie settled by Torres. How can our hearts take much more of this? So it's on to the final, a Munich await. With Bayern on their own patch, they were lying in wait. On 83 minutes, it's Muller 1-0 to the Germans. Chelsea, however, remained determined. Five minutes later, and Drogba nets for the Blues. What more twists and turns would the fans be put through? The full-time whistle makes it sound. 30 minutes extra time at Bayern Munich's home ground. There are no further goals to mark on the score sheet. It's now gone to penalties. What next? Victory or defeat? The Germans go first and off to a cracker. Chelsea up next and it's a miss from one matter. Gomez, then Luis, Neuer and Lampard successfully convert from the spot. Next up for Bayern, it's Olic. He did not. Up steps Ashley Cole, who nets from 12 yards. The pressure on Schweinsteiger. Surely he wouldn't find it that hard. He runs up and stutters and then hits the post. If Chelsea scores theirs, it's time for them to boast. Drogba, the man with a short run-up, sends Neuer the wrong way. Chelsea now have their hands on the European Cup. Okay, uh, the West Ham poem is called Last Night at the Bolin. And here we go. From 1904, we called this place home. The opening game against Millwall, Hammers 3, Lions none. Fast forward a century and a dozen more years, no crying at defeat, but celebratory tears. In the penultimate game of 2015-16, the Reds from Manchester came to ruin the dream of a win to see us leave Upton Park. Ten minutes in, Sacco ignites the spark. 1-0 to West Ham against LVG's Devils. For another 41 minutes, the home fans would revel. Martial squared the score nine short of the hour, then got his brace. Would the Hammers fight or cower? Four minutes later, Antonio scores. Scoreline, two each. Still time for more. With 10 minutes to go, it's two goals to three. In the lead go West Ham, thanks to Reed, the Kiwi. Full time is reached and Slavs men the victors. History made for the Clariton Blue Misters. Tuesday, May the 10th, the last night at the Bolin. The fanfare, the fireworks rounded off its final win. Man of the match, number 16, Mark Noble, a hero who will captain the Irons as to the London Stadium they now go. I'd like to thank uh, Tom and Billy for taking the time to join me on the show. Uh, links to their music and where you can find them on social media will be in the episode description. Uh, there's also going to be tracks from theirs added to the Project Football playlist. And again, I'll put the link on there as well. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can purchase artwork from Luke Williamson at lukewilliamsonart.com uh, for a 10% discount off any artwork at the checkout. Uh, put in the code PROJFOOT10, that's P-R-O-J-F-O-O-1-0, and that'll get you 10% off at the checkout. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can do so in a couple of ways. Um, so we've got email, which is projfoot at gmail.com. Twitter at proj underscore foot or Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash project football. Again, thank you very much for listening. We've now reached full time. Goodbye and take care. <laughs>